You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Anti Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Anti Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AntiUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's August 23rd, 2019. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet, hopefully. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm a wide awake Scott Long. No way! Yeah, you know, because normally on the West Coast, uh, you know, I'm waking up like five minutes for the show and talking <coughs> like this, and <coughs> and um, but no, no, I, I got to bed early last night, got a good night's sleep, got up early, showered. I'm I'm even showered and dressed and ready for the day at uh, seven twelve a.m. here on the West Coast. Remarkable. I want yeah, to I, I want to jump all the way ahead to the last <laughs> item, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. Get, let you get through the whole the whole part of this opening bit before we get to the end. But I want to make some comments about it, and I can't. So let's go. Let's go right in the show. Let's go. Uh, but no, the, the preface all of that though. I'm just gonna say I just I absolutely love being out here in Reno, Nevada. I love being here at the Atlantis Casino Resort Spa. This is uh, one of my favorite trips every year. Um, the resort is fantastic. You don't have to leave to do anything. Although at the end of the show, as Chris mentioned, I will tell you the things that you can do when you leave if you want to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, plenty of good restaurants here. Um, the staff here is wonderful. Dealers are great. Um, uh, they got a little bar across the street that they kind of meet every night. So I've been over there hanging out with the folks. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well, too. And then uh, just the city is just so cool. I mean, it, it is the biggest little city in the world. So, um, you know, hopefully after we get through this whole thing about all the poker we've had and all the fun we've had here, those of you can make it here tomorrow for the last day, uh, last one day one of the main event or play some of the last couple events, please come out and do it. And if not, hopefully everybody else will put this on their schedule next year and uh, come out, because this is a great place to vacation. This is not just a t- tournament out here. This is There's fun stuff to do when you're not at the table. So yeah. but let's jump into it. So uh, the main event, as I mentioned, of the Andy Poker Tour at Atlantis Casino Resort and Spa starts today, which is Friday. Um, the second uh, flight is tomorrow, Saturday. Buy-in is $1,100. Winner will get themselves on the cover of Annie Up in a seat in the next Annie Up World Championship at Thunder Valley, my other favorite place to go. Yes, oh, yes. Uh, two hours west. I get my directionals all discombobulated. You, you may uh, you may retire in the west, I think. You like it out there so much. I, I, it is. I mean, it's just so <clears> – <throat> well, you know, I just like something different. I mean, Florida's home to me, so I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not there against my will. Right, <laughs> I love right. living in Florida. But when you can get out <clears throat> and see something different – very different 
That's kind of cool. I mean, it's not like oh, <laughs> here comes this <laughs> rocky voice from Could've being up for early. Could have got up thirty minutes early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's not like in Florida, like where you drive down to Fort Myers and then you're like, okay, I'm not on vacation. I'm seeing the same stuff, right? So yeah, yeah. you know, mountains and lakes and rivers and all kinds of stuff out here. So um, I definitely do, uh, definitely do like the West. And then uh, you know, San Diego next month too. So yep. lots of fun stuff. Yeah, but, very cool. Um, also, if you don't want to play the main event, uh, there are three other tournaments left this week. Uh, the sure to be fun kitchen sink tournament on Sunday, which I can't play because it's going to be. Too close to the uh, final table, the main event, but uh-huh. uh, hopefully other people can come out and play that. That's got to be one of the goofiest tournaments I've ever seen, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, so that's throughout the weekend. And for all the details, visit antfmagazine.com slash Atlantis. Um, okay, so almost across the board, uh, participation has been up this year, which is great to see. Um, you know, a competitive market out here with the... Uh, some other casinos, and then of course you got Thunder Valley, two hours to the west. Look, I got it right. <laughs> and then uh, the Bay Area, another two hours to the west of there. Um, so um, it's a challenging market. So it's good to see that uh, in our second year, uh, numbers are up uh, really much across the board. So um, hopefully the main event will continue that trend, and yeah. that will be fantastic. Yeah, but be uh, people are coming out and having fun. So uh, Kevin O'Donnell, who's a fixture over at um, Thunder Valley, people probably know him because he's a uh, he's got a very 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 extensive hand to mob page. He's a very good player, um, having an absolute monster series out here. He won two events so far, including the Kerry Marshall Memorial Seniors Tournament, sponsored by the Western Seniors Poker Series. Uh, Kerry, just the absolute beloved person out here. Uh, he wrote for us for a little bit as an ambassador. Passed away earlier this month, sadly. Um, but, uh, that whole day was just special for everybody in that tournament. Uh, they had 206 entries for it, which was fantastic. Nice. Um, and then they made it a two day tournament as always. So when they bagged and tagged around eight o'clock on the first day, um, a bunch of us went across the street to the, um, uh, the lucky beaver, the bar across the street that everybody hangs out <laughs> here. And that's Carrie. It was Carrie's favorite bar as well too. So we had a big table there. People just, uh, swap stories about Carrie um, had some drinks, played some pool, um, just a really fun night. And, uh, you really just kind of saw the, uh, the family here, um, in Atlanta. So, you know, we had an item on the show that we, um, took off, which is great. Cause it, it's all about crappy poker players. Right. But yeah. these are kind of the, uh, the, um, um, instances that you really can see how poker players really kind of come together and, um, uh, are, are really cool to each other. Um, so that, that was really fun to be a part of that. So, Really glad for our friends at Western Seniors Poker Series for putting that together that quickly. So, um, all right. So uh, I played uh, three tournaments so far, and I felt like I played well in all of them. I have nothing to show for it other than stories, though, Chris. Oh, yeah. Uh, I probably one or two more tournaments in me before I leave, but they're all no limits. So you know where that's going to go. But uh, but anyhow, I have I had fun. I did final table the eight game mixed, um, which uh, is not your normal eight game mix that you used to playing uh online or at the other series i call it the vegas vacation uh, <laughs> tournament and they love it they, i call it that uh we'll talk a little bit more about some of the crazy games than that um but uh made the final table i really enjoyed playing and then and, and i've never been in a tournament where i've been so upset that i didn't cash not because i didn't get the money because i wanted to keep playing oh yeah it's just so fun playing the games and i'm like it's not like you could walk down to the poker room and and get on the list for uh, pitch and roll Tahoe. So <laughs> you know, wait till next year to get back when I when I got knocked out of that. Um, started really strong in Omaha Eight, had a huge stack, and then flamed out, which happens in these limit tournaments, as I've talked about um, 
ad nauseum. You know, once those limits get up, that's when you want to win hands. You don't want to win hands in the early part like I was. So, yeah. um, and then I went, surprisingly, I went very deep, I think, in the uh, six-handed um, um, no limit a couple days ago. I uh, made one bad play with a decent stack, and that was it. And then I was eating uh, all-you-can-eat sushi for the rest of the day, which, oh. again, not a consolation prize, but... One of the many, many restaurants you can eat here at Atlantis Casino Resort. Um, so yeah, I want to mention that hand before we get in. I know you want to talk about the A-game mix, and I know most of our listeners are going to really enjoy that. But um, So let me talk about this hand and this um, the six-handed because it was a weird tournament for me. It was a two, 260 buy-in, I think, which is a little bit more than I usually spend. Um, it's six max, and it's no limit. Um, I like the six max part of it, but you know, obviously no limit's not my game. All right. And as soon as you sit down, um, like, you know, all these great players that come over here, and a lot of them travel from Thunder Valley here, this is the tournament that they're going to be in, and they were. So you immediately sit down, and you kind of feel like you're a little bit outclassed, right? So you psych yourself out a little bit. Um, you kind of kind of nurse your stack for a while, win a couple small pots, and then all of a sudden you're starting playing well, right? And then the stack starts building up, and then you start feeling like you've got respect to the table now. And the uh, players are getting knocked out, and you're building up your stack, right? So that's kind of how I was feeling. It was right after the second break. And we had a player that just moved into our table right before the second break. Uh, I've seen him play here a lot. Um, really hard guy to figure out. Um, he's just all over the place. Um, and uh, uh, at the break, probably the best player at the table came over to me. He's like, man, this guy, I can't figure him out. He's like all over the place. I saw you call him down light and win some pots, and then I call him down a lot and I- uh, light and I lose some pots. I mean, sometimes he has it and he doesn't. I'm like, absolutely. I'm like, to kind of put perspective, um, I, we're going real old school Annie up here, but you remember back when Annie Duke uh, tutored Ben Affleck? Oh, yeah. Years ago, back before Ben Affleck cheated on Jen Garner <laughs> and uh, 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 Annie Duke. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Players actually cared about Annie Duke right, way back then, right? Right. And you know, which, he, which he told him, um, she might even talk about this on the show when we interviewed him, right? But, uh, or interviewed her was that uh, he was super aggressive, and the first thing she had to do was tell him, hey, you have to be aggressive in the right spots. You can't just be aggressive, aggressive all the time, right? That's this guy. Like, every pot was raised 5x. If you raise, if you, if you open for a raise, he raised you 5x. And betting big on the flop, so... And then, as I mentioned, I, I kind of figured that out pretty quickly, that he, he was light, so I was calling down with single pairs and winning pots from him. Um, so here, he was my opponent in this hand, right? So I had pocket tens. I opened for um, 3x because we had the big blind ante at that point. He raises another 3 or 4x on top, I call. Um, he's like, I'm all in in the dark on the flop. Flop comes two babies and a king. Wow. And at this point, um, we both have... It was about 43,000 units. Blinds were at, um, uh, I think the big blind was 1,200 at that point. So 600, 1,200 level. So uh, not short stack, not deep stack, but plenty of play left, right? Yeah. And we were probably the two biggest stacks at the table, and we were down to three tables left maybe, three or four tables left. So at that point, with all the history I gave you, what do you do? Um, I probably go just as old school as you and remember that Daniel Negreanu said they're just tens. Just tens. Uh, um, I know this guy has been light in the past, and, he, and it seems to me like he doesn't want to be outplayed by you again because it seems like you're the one that's figuring out that he's light and calling him down. So he might have something that he might be trying to get in your head and make you think that, and then have a better pair. 
you know, it's just tens, and then he could have hit that king on top of it with ace king, you know, or something, and just being right. a a weirdo. But at the same time, you know, if he's really good, and we just don't recognize that yet, you know, he could have put that together that you're going to call him down light because he's going to think he has light. So if he goes in all these guy aces, you know, or something like that, and he's doing that, he's playing a mind game with you, then you're screwed. If he's not playing a mind game with you, you still could have hit the king. And that's the right. thing, too. And it's like, it's just tens and it's one hand. If you, you don't want to mess with the biggest, second biggest stack at the table when you've finally gotten your rhythm and you've finally got a decent stack and you're finally doing well in this respected tournament. And now you're going to let it all go away on a quirk when you can just outplay him again in another hand or two. So I probably just lay it down and, you know, say, hey, you know what? I got plenty of chips here and I've been doing well and I made a little bit of a bump here. I mean, I might have re raised them again pre flop and then again, you know, re raised them, whatever. And then. He lost my whole stack there because he could have shoved and I would have had to have called and then he would have turned over aces or jacks or something. But um, I think now that we got to the point where you are, I think I fold. I, I mean, I know it's easy to just call and say, hey, and, and, and rationalize why we call, but he could have hit the king and he could have just been playing you too and had a better pair than your 10. So I think I just let it go. If he was a small stack or a medium stack and I still had some play by calling him, I might have called. But he's as big of a stack or close to as big a stack as we are, and I've been out playing him mostly for the tournament, and I'm doing well now. I let it go. Well, that's why I'm out here playing and you're at home, because I <laughs> called and went runner, runner, 10-10, Chris. Wow. But no, would you have lost lying. if you didn't no get way. the 10-10? <laughs> completely lied. That didn't happen. Oh, okay. I called, he had five kings, he oh, bought a set, and I was out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm on a roller coaster ride here. I know, I know. Um, no, everything you said was right. I wish you were here in my ear, which I would never, ever say again. But um, no, it's one of those I, I feel bad because as well as I, uh, I I keep getting better, the more I play, I still make some stupid mistakes. And this is one of them. I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, you got to fold. You got to fold. You got to fold. Got to fold. Got to fold for like two minutes. Right. And then I'm like, I call. <laughs> and I think my rationale at the point was that. um yeah, I've been kind of outplaying this guy, although he's unpredictable, so I can't count on the fact that I can continue to outplay him. Um, there are at least one other player at the table that's really good or much better than I am. Another guy who's just been running over the table, won the first, knocked a guy on the first hand, and his stack has only gotten bigger since then. Jeez. Um, and uh, so to, to, to be able to win this tournament, which is the goal, or even the cash at that point, um, I, I need a big double up at some point, and here's a guy that kind of plays by the seat of his pants. And if he was light as he has been before, this is my chance. And um, unfortunately, I was completely wrong. But I think the the big mistake I made is, and you mentioned this very uh, close to the end, really quickly. But um, had I shoved, uh, re-raised all in pre-flop, would have been a better play for me because at that point. He's probably still going to call kings, right? But oh, yeah. a good player at that point is going to go, hey, I can't get re-raised by this guy again unless he has aces. And maybe he would have folded at that point. Yeah, the only thing, uh, I, you know, I think no matter what, you go broke. Because if, if it came all unders, you're still calling his all-in and you right. lose. Cause you, so and no matter what you do, hit. you're going broke in his hand, I think, unless you just fold after that. Well, I mean, I could have folded there. They should. Yeah. I think I probably, you pull most players and probably 8 out of 10 are going to fold in that situation. So yeah. <clears throat> I just kind of talk myself into that's crazy. Um, I don't have any notes, but real quick, I want to tell you about that first hand of the tournament because it was wild. Uh, we were four-handed to start out because, you know, early, no one shows up for tournaments on time anymore. <clears throat> Hate that, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Show up on time. So uh, we were playing four-handed, very first hand. Um, 
Uh, I'm under the gun with Jack nine. Throw it away. First, first hand the tournament. I'm not gonna even forehand it. I don't need to get mixed up in that, right? Yeah. Um, small raise. Three people see the flop. Um, I would have flopped an open end, uh, straight draw. Um, uh, two players get it all in. The other player hems and hauls forever and folds. Um, the first player turns over uh, five four for the bottom end of the made straight. <clears throat> other guy pocket aces. Next card would have gave, given me the straight with Jack-9. Um, runs out, so the guy with 5-4 wins. Knocks the guy on the first hand. And then the guy that folded starts whining. <clears throat> and I'm like, hey, I would have won that hand too. He's like, what, you had Jack? And I'm like, yeah, Jack-9. He's like, that's what I had. <laughs> so had I played, that guy played, we could have got a four-way all-in, and two of us would have knocked two people out of the first hand. <laughs> crazy game. Crazy that's game poker, crazy. Right? He would have broken the table on the first hand. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, that's great. And we talked about that the rest of the trip. Every time, I mean, the rest of the tournament, every time somebody came to the table, we were talking about it. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, there must have been something that happened in the first hand. I'm like, well, let us tell you the story again. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about this eight-game mixed. Uh, so folks remember from last year, um, uh, I was looking forward to this. I just happened to talk to the poker manager at Thunder Valley before I came over, and I was telling him how, how excited I am. He put an eight-game mix on. I haven't played that in years. And he's like, oh. Want to look at the structure sheet? These games are not your normal a game mixed games, Scott. I'm like, really? And I looked at them, and that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the downtown casino in Vegas vacation, <laughs> <laughs> playing pick a number and guess which hand. <clears throat> um, the games were that wild, and I had to actually last year in the hotel room sit around here and, and deal out a bunch of hands so I could get used to it. Um, so this year, I waited the last day. We had a lot going on in the Andy Up world <laughs> this week too, so I waited the last day. Um, and did uh, some research because they mixed the eight games up this year, Chris. So yeah. they're different games than they have last year. Um, and so uh, I found a site that had a good strategy for all of them. I read enough of that that I felt comfortable that I'd be down, didn't do any hands out. Um, and went down, and so I said, a final table. Of course, there's only 21 players in the tournament, so I'll clarify that's not that impressive, but still made the final table. But here are the games this year. Uh, Badoogie, which we all know, right? Yeah. Uh, Badesi. Uh, Dramaha, which is uh, plays like half the pot goes to the best a high Omaha hand. The other half of the pot goes to the best five card draw hand in your yep. same hand. Yep. Right? Um, a boring Omaha high. Uh, Big O eight. Uh, Tahoe pitch and roll, which is stud eight, but you get four cards. You have to if you stay in the hand. Uh, as soon as you make your call or better raise or whatever, you have to throw them away, which is the pitch. And then you roll your own for your uh, up card. Right. Uh, um, a lot of fun. Uh, Raz Doogie, which is just what you imagine. It plays like uh, stud. Half the pot to the best Raz hand. The best uh, the other half to the best Doogie hand out of your seven cards. Wow. And then, of course, uh, deuce to seven. Uh, wow. Now, because uh, they did everything in double draw this year, except for Drum Hall. Drum Hall, you had one draw. but So deuce to seven was double draw, but Doogie was double draw. So... Um, that took a little getting used to. There are a lot of players that are like, they called and then players table with him like, what are you doing? We're not done. And we're like, yes, we are done. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I forgot we had only two draws. And they would turn over bad badoogies at that point. But um, So those were the eight games. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I played um, only three of those before. Yeah. Um, at any length. I mean, obviously, Badoogie, Deuce to Seven, Omaha, we play in the home game a lot. Uh, Big O, I've played before, but not Big O 8, um, which adds a little more to it. 
uh, Tahoe pitch and roll. I only played in this tournament last year, and I flamed out early in that. So you played Big uh, O eight. Hey, the you, Daisy hey, you played. You, can you hear me? Yeah, you played Big O eight with me in California. Oh, that's right. Right, that's we right. played. It was at uh, yeah, at the Pachanga. Pachanga. Yeah. yeah, we played Big O eight together, and I got killed in that game. Killed in that game. <laughs> I remember I won like a hundred uh, bucks play in No Limit Hold'em, and then went over there. That game was crazy. Yeah, you know, Omaha 8 is like a game of nuts. That's a game of mortal nuts there. Mm. So, um, But Dramaha was a lot of fun. I don't think I've ever played that. That was uh, super fun. So, right. um, And so what I mentioned is um, these games were great. So early on, I was like, oh, am I going to make it through all eight games? Because I was getting beat up pretty hard at the beginning. Um, then I went on a roll, took out the first three players of the tournament. So then my stack was great. So I knew I was going to make it through all eight. But then when you get moved to a different table, you get moved into that rotation, right? So I think I only played one round of Tahoe Pitch and Roll the entire tournament because I kept getting moved into uh, Drama Hall or Deuce to Seven or some of these other games that um, are, are interesting or not as interesting, right? So uh, so that was the only downside to it, but um, really interesting. And the other thing, too, is all the stud games played with blinds and not annies. Oh. Wow. So last year they had the structure sheet looked like uh, War and Peace because you had all kinds of – you know, depending on the game, you had Andy's here or blinds there. This year they just said, screw it, it's going to be blinds. So, like, say in Raz Doogie, you still had a button, still had a small blind, you had a big blind, and then action started after the big blind, and you could either call or fold or raise at that point, and then they dealt from the button for the rest of the game, Jeez. which is kind of interesting to deal with yeah, trying to figure that, that out. Never, had, never, uh, never played that way before. But it made it easier in terms of the overall tournament for this kind of tournament. So okay. <clears throat> um, one of the things I wanted to mention, too, before we get too far into this, is um, when we were at the Kerry Marshall um, after party, uh, our good friend Dan Ross from Hold'em Radio was out here doing live updates. Uh, he and I were sitting with Keith Dames, the poker manager here, and Dan was like, you know, hey, I really think it's great that you put a tournament on your schedule that is your own thing. And uh, so uh, every Monday they play this dealer's choice PLO game down in the poker room. Um, I wasn't able to get down and play it, although it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, so it, it's a homegrown style of game that they put here, and they're bold enough to put it on the on the schedule every year. And of course, they only got 21 entries. So, um, but uh, but I agree with them. I think it's good that if you you build something in your poker room, you should put it on your schedule um, as a kind of a reward to the players that do it, and something a little bit interesting. That's cool. <clears throat> um. All right, so yeah, at any I ended up being a monster chip leader for most of the tournament. I uh, lost two big hands in a row uh, just before the final table. Um, one I lost to a straight flush, thank you very much. <laughs> and the other one I lost to a perfect uh, deuce to seven when I think I was second perfect. So um, went from 75,000 units down to 10. Oh. And brutal, oh. right? Brutal. <clears throat> I was there, I was like, I was sizing up the shelf at home for the trophy and everything at that point, and then uh, went out with nothing. But. Um, but a lot of interesting uh, things that happen in these games. So um, uh, in the pitch and roll, I got rolled up kings plus another card, obviously. So that was easy. They pitch that card. Doesn't matter what king you roll up. And then on 7th Street, I get the case king. So quad kings in stud. Jeez. I think that happened to me once before, but never in that way. I mean, that's the best way for it to happen, right? Right. And, of course, it's um, – uh, stud a uh, high low, so I had to split half the pot. But uh, that was a pretty nice uh, catch on the end there. Uh, um, and no one had me on a set of kings all the way through. I mean, everybody was betting, raising all. It was a lot, it was a big pot, so that was nice. Um, and then in Dramaha, I had a, 
uh, two jacks. Um, I pitched three cards, and I got two jacks back. <laughs> so quads twice, and then in that game, I mean, obviously my jacks aren't very good. Quad jacks in your hand are not very good on the Omaha board because all you have is a pair of jacks to go with whatever's on the board. Right. But you know you're not going to lose the – uh, the draw portion of it, so I'm just firing left and right and, and winning half the pot, and you hope there's a bunch of people going for the Omaha and uh, made nice on that. So, yeah, two quads in one tournament. Jeez. <clears throat> Pretty crazy. And then, um, so we get to the final table, and like I said, I'm somewhat short sack. There's another guy that's really on fumes. Um, he has one hand to go. I got maybe two hands to go. Um, one guy, super excited to make the final table. He sits down, and he's like, hey, guys, do we make a deal and pay uh, the tournament pay the top three? He's like, and final table was seven. Or no, it was six, because we knocked two people out on the last hand. So six. He's like, can we make a deal where we pay uh, fourth and fifth their money back just so they get some? Normally not a fan of this deal, but uh, I'm going to benefit greatly now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the tournament director was like, hey, sorry, you can't make a deal um, unless everybody gets money in it. So you can, if you want to do pay four and five, you have to wait until you're five-handed to, make, uh, to have that discussion. All right, so we knock a guy out in six. Guy brings up a discussion. It's on break, right? So four of us are at the table. At this point, I am down to my last hand. The other guy's still down to his last hand. And the guy was like, you know, hey, I know you guys are going out soon, but I mentioned when I sat down, I'm a man of my word. I, I really do think, um, uh, you know, I want to pay you guys your uh, spots. The other woman who is a massive chip leader is like, hey, that's fine. That's cool. I get it. That's nice. Uh, we're having a good time here. Um, but it's the other guy that's going to have to uh, – it has to be unanimous, right? So let me tell you about this other guy. He was at my table. He's the only person at my original table I didn't bust. He had been there for the entire tournament. Every game from the <clears throat> beginning to the end, he had to ask us how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> he never learned how to play any of the games. We're at the final table, and he's like, all right, tell me this one again. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, I'm like, all right, I, I, I don't have a high hope for this when it gets back. So the guy sits down, they explain everything, and they're like, hey, uh, no pressure. You don't have to do the deal. Uh, we can keep playing. And he's like, yeah, let's keep playing. I'm like, oh, of course. Of course. I, he, he didn't say explain the, explain how you chop to me. Tell me how you chop. Yeah, well, you can tell he had no idea what they're talking about, and it was just easier to say, "Hey, let's keep playing." So, um, but uh, but yeah, every, every every game we had explained how to play to it, and he was like winning everything. Um, Jeez. And then then of course the last time before the um, uh, the, the break, uh, we were playing drama hall, massive pot. I was, I was out of it. Massive pot. He turns over ace deuce for the low. <laughs> We're like, uh, there's no low. Oh my! There's been no low world tournament in this. And he like stormed out. He lost everything on that. He, so he had like ace high for both the Omaha and the uh, the oh, draw portion. Of it. Man. But yeah, that's that, that's how I didn't get my min cash. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, uh, we had a lot of fun outside of uh, uh, Atlantis this trip too. I, I teased last week that I was going to visit the Re- Republic of Malaysia, right? Yeah. Um, had a fun down there learning that it's the Republic of uh, Malaysia, not Malaysia. So I've been okay. mispronouncing it. Uh, His Excellency President Kevin Ball is probably going to put me in the uh, Malaysia jail, which they have there, by the way, um, for people that bring in illegal contraband, which is uh, walruses, onions, um, and uh, incandescent bulbs. So, <laughs> um, but so uh, so this thing's called a micronation. Have you heard of a micronation before? Uh, just uh, Vatican City. 
Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's a big macronation. <laughs> so it, it's a real thing. There's about a dozen of them or so around the world. And it, it's a thing where you can just kind of declare your property uh, a sovereign nation. Oh, interesting. And you become the king or president or whatever you want to do. And um, so it's kind of it's, – it's, I shouldn't say kind of make-believe. It's all make-believe, right? But, um, but they have like a convention every year called MicroCon where all these kings and presidents get together and hang out with each other. Um, so this one is about a 30-minute drive from Atlantis. And uh, so the president and the first lady meet you there. Had a big tour. They had a film crew there filming all this this time. So I might be on some kind of New Zealand documentary now. Jeez. Um, but he has his own bank and post office. He can actually stamp your passport. Uh, um, has their own little model train for their trains. It was kind of fun. It was a little interesting, a little different. Wow. I watched. I watched a little bit what you did through Facebook, and it, it just cracking me up. <laughs> kind of makes me want to go home and create my own. Yeah, I was thinking. Maybe, I was thinking we, that exact thing that you would do that too. We need our Annie up micronations. What we need. <laughs> Work on that. We'll use your property. It's nicer than mine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but we have to do tours uh, three times a year. So. Oh man. Um, and then, uh, so we're hanging out at the uh, the Lucky Beaver, and uh, our good friend uh, Jody Russell, who used to run our poker cruises for us, uh, lives in town, came over, and he and his wife were like, hey, we're going uh, whitewater rafting on Thursday, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't done that since college, I've been wanting to do it every time I come out this way, but I can never find anybody to go, you got room in the car, and they're like, yep, absolutely, so we went whitewater rafting yesterday, absolute blast morning, we did the whole day tour, um, <clears throat> and... Um, so we had to do class two and class three rapids because they had their grandson with them, and uh, you can't uh, do the threes and fours um, unless you're 14 or older. And um, so I was a little bummed by that. But then I get on there, and I'm like, all right, uh, twos and threes are more my speed at age 47. <laughs> <laughs> the very last one, and he's like, all right, this is one. It's still class three, but this is going to be the class uh, closest to class four we're going to get. And I'm like, all right. And he's like, it's the last rapid, and then we're going to finish at the lake. And so I'm in the front of the boat, and then he's telling us to paddle, 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 and then I can't ever hear the guy, so I didn't hear him say stop paddling, so I'm paddling right into this massive wave, and then boom, I get knocked back, bounce off the back of the boat in front out <laughs> over the top, and then um, I'm literally in front of the, the raft as it's going down the rapid, and uh, I'm trying to work my way around so I don't drown. I finally get out, I'm sucking water left and right, and then they finally pull me out. Um, so <sighs> our guide was very proud that only three of his passengers had fallen out all year. I made that number four yesterday. Wow, I was so close to retiring. Yes. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I did, uh, did let people know that our life insurance did renew the day before, <laughs> so you and uh, Laura were in. And uh, so, you know, I hope you're happy. I gave you a sweat. I gave you a sweat. Oh, man. That is so close. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. Oh, wait, that's not the show? We're 30 minutes in, you talked the whole show. I haven't said one word yet. Oh, man. All right, well, I got more talking to do. So um, it's taken us almost two years, and don't ask because it's a long story. But we finally put the switch on the all new antiupmagazine.com literally yesterday. Um, please take a look at it, let us know your feedback. Uh, we know there's some rough edges to polish. I actually got a lot of work to do it on today because I was rafting all day yesterday. Yeah. Um, but the site is a market improvement over the site we've had for more than a decade. It's been a long time coming that we needed to do it. Yeah, it was a long time coming from the time we contracted with someone to do it. But it's finally here, so we're done. It's all in the past now, right? We're all happy now, right? Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, some of the highlights, it's mobile friendly finally, which has always been driving me crazy. Uh, so that's really nice. So you'll be able to really uh, navigate it well on your phone. Uh, we weeded through 11 years of content. So crazy that we had that much content, but uh, that's great. Um, and better presented the best of it, uh, de-emphasized the lesser content. So it's much easier to navigate the website now to find the stuff you want. Uh, definitely a fresher, cleaner, more dynamic look throughout. Uh, much better promotion of our Andy Up Poker Tour stops and Andy Up Cruises, um, including videos now. And then we've uh, divided, um, you know, in our magazine, we've always been very proud that we divide our magazine into five regions. Uh, now we have those five regions as individual news pages on the page. So if you just want to read about West News, you can go straight to the West News page and not have to read about what's going on in the South. And then coming soon, we'll be posting digital-only regional editions of Annie Up. So if you want the whole magazine feel, but only for your region, you'll be able to download that um, as well. That's coming soon. Um, easier to order Annie Up merch um, or probably be one of our ambassadors or dealers. And we will be uploading some new Tee Public shirts as soon as they get back uh, to Florida. So check out that. And then uh, best of all, it's uh, we got so much potential to add a lot more content in the future. It's so much easier to use. And so as we come up with new ideas and stuff, we'll be able to do it very quickly, whereas the old website did not make anything easy to do or quick to do it. Uh, and the good news is that the podcast transitioned over. So now I, I've uploaded some of the older shows on there to make sure it works, and it does pick up the old feed. So you should not have any problem getting today's show. So hopefully, hopefully you didn't get any. Any problems doing it? So, uh, any updates? The Annie Up Poker Tour next visits Hummel Casino near San Diego, September twentieth to the 29th. Wild Horse Pass uh, Hotel and Casino near Phoenix, November eleventh to the sixteenth. We also have four upcoming Annie Up Poker cruises, and definitely call as soon as possible if you want to join us this Halloween on the great eight night sailing to some of the Eastern Caribbean's best ports. Next year, we'll have a short Easter sailing to Cozumel, a 15-night transatlantic from Tampa to Amsterdam, with stops in Bermuda, the Azores, and Ireland, and a seven-night Western Caribbean sailing from Galveston, Texas. For all details, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Find yourself in a situation in your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at magazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize, a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. This is Sean in West Michigan. He says, playing in a local casino bounty tournament, I'm now the big blind and move all in in the dark. The two callers check it down to the river. I have bottom pair, and they both pair their ace and split the pot. Who takes my bounty? The dealer says they will split it, but a player asks for the floor. The floor asks who has the most chips and gives the bounty to that person. Is that right? I would have thought a flip or something. Why does her having a bigger stack matter when neither of them were all in? Uh, when this has come up in my home game before, we did a random high card to determine the winner. All right, Elliot says your instincts are spot on. When a player is eliminated in a bounty tournament by two or more players that have the identical winning hand, the winning players are supposed to split the bounty equally. They did the same work. They both eliminated the all-in player by virtue of the winning hands and deserve to share in the spoils. Stack size is irrelevant, as the only thing that matters is that the player or players winning the hand have as many or more chips than the all-in player losing the hand. When splitting the bounty, some casinos will split odd dollar amounts by rounding to the nearest dollar. For example, a $5 bounty split by two players would result in one getting three and, and the other winner getting two. This odd dollar would usually be awarded by position or by random draw, as you described. I'm not adverse to awarding the entire bounty by random draw, but I'm not for it either. As long as it is in the rules and known before the tournament starts, though, it is fair for all players. Yeah, that's pretty bizarre that they just gave it to the person who had the bigger stack. That's That doesn't make any sense at all. 
I mean, he yeah. didn't knock the other person out. And position is one thing where we he talked about, he mentioned that makes sense too, that, you know, you split a pot and it's an odd chip. The person who has the worst position gets the odd chip because it was harder for them to acquire that outcome. And so that makes sense what he said, but the way they did it, that was just weird, really weird. Yeah, I think the floor probably was searching for a, a reason. This doesn't happen often, to be honest. I don't think I've ever seen it myself, but it's probably searching for a solution and fell back, um, unfortunately, on you know uh, placement when you get knocked out in a tournament. So you know, if two people get knocked out in the same hand, it was the one that started the chips more that uh, more chips that that gets the higher spot, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and kind of perversely applied it to here, um, but uh, but you know sometimes it, it's not easy. I mean, uh, I mean I shouldn't say it's not easy. I mean there's there's a cage here with lots of chips, but you know let's say you're playing a twenty five dollar bounty tournament, right? This happens, so now you're back into what Elliot said. You know you got a weird thing, so you know you got a tournament director walking around with green chips to give out to people, and now there's a split. So <laughs> I guess they have to go to the cage and make a get get change, and then have to figure out how you do that and. Um, you know, I in that case, I think that extra dollar needs to go to the worst position. I think I don't, the chip stack doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. But, um, but again, I'm not going to sit there and argue over one dollar and a bounty if that happens. So, but uh, but interesting, you don't see that happen very often. But no, that um, is kind of a rarity. But you know, you can see it happening with a short stack, and then guys just want to call with any ace, and then they happen to chop the board, and you know, you can see it happening. There should be a contingency plan for all these things, and that yeah, it just seemed like the guy got his uh, his. Uh, ideas kind of mixed with uh, other ways of doing things and just failed at it. But yeah, that was wrong. Uh, we well, got the other a, thing that oh. Sean didn't mention real quick is that uh, whether the hands were identical. I mean, we assume they were, uh, but he says they both paired their ace. But I mean, did one have a better kicker that played? In no, that I mean, because that person would have won the hand and they would have won the bounty. I think they, it means their ace is played and they chopped the pot. If some if one person wins the hand, then they win the bounty. They chop the pot and then had to oh, chop this is the pot. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, all right, had to be so. Never mind. Never mind. All right, good. We're on a weird delay here, so <laughs> the timing is off on the show. But we have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing nosebleed stakes. We're at a friendly home game we frequent, playing 5 cent, 10 cent, no limit hold'em. We know these players well, as this has been our regular game for over 10 years. The buy-in is $20, and the game is six-handed. We post our small blind, the big blind posts, and it gets folded around to the button with $17. The button is a tight, aggressive player who plays the game pretty well, but rarely goes for value when he needs to. He limps, and we look down at the king of clubs, ten of diamonds. We make it 40 cents to go out of our $21 stack. The big blind folds, but the button calls. The pot is around 90 cents, and the flop is the ace of clubs, king of hearts, ten of hearts. So, we flopped bottom two pair on a very wet board. We elect to check for value. Our opponent bets 50 cents, and we call. The pot stands at $1.90, and the turn is the eight of diamonds. So, are we checking to induce a bet? Leading out? What's the move? All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at magazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. John Urban in the house today, Chris. 
Wow. I wonder if he's related to uh, Carl Urban. Or Urban Meyer. <laughs> or Keith Urban. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyhow, whoever he is, he's playing in the one three game at uh, one through game at Horseshoe Baltimore. Because I've been at the table a few hours and I'm down to squiggly two fifty for my original three hundred buy in. My image has been moderately loose aggressive, racing most of the time I enter the pot, and I've been caught bluffing a couple times. The villainous hand overvalues his hands. Earlier, for instance, he called down a bet raise bet bet with King Jack on a King Six Six flock with seemingly 100% confidence he was ahead. He ended up chopping to another King Jack, actually. So, <laughs> he was right. Uh, he's loose both pre-flop and post-flop and makes unconventional plays. Typically, his bluffs are poorly constructed and easy to sniff out. He was the player I was targeting. Hmm. I'm in early position with two black aces. Uh, okay. Well, we raise standard raise, whatever it is. You know, whatever the standard raise is. I mean, I, you know, I would make it fifteen, but I don't know what they do at this table. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Or, so yeah, yeah it's standard raise too. Yeah, he doesn't say whether it's standard or not, but he says he raises twelve. Okay. Villain calls from the cutoff with 140 bucks behind, uh, as do the button, uh, who has a bigger stack than us, and the big line uh, with squiggly 100. So the pot is 45 now. And the button is described as playing straightforward, and the big blind is described as being loose passive. Okay. Uh, flop comes nine of spades, seven of clubs, five of spades. The big blind checks to us. I'm betting, probably betting pot, believe it or not. A, a lot of people are in this hand. It's a pretty weird board. It's a good board for our, obviously, overpair. Um, we even have backdoor spades. Um you know, I mean, I, someone could be playing any two cards here. I don't know because there was a lot of people in the hand, but I don't mind betting almost pot here. So I'd bet like forty bucks. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm like, we gotta thin this field. Um, somebody might have a, a piece of it. But I don't want them to get two pieces of it. So yeah, right. Um, all right, our hero says this is a scary flop for my hand, particularly against loose players. This is a flop I'd like to check with most of my range, especially against three players. With hands like 10-10 to queen-queen, I'd bet to deny equity to random ace-x or king-x hands. But with ace-ace, especially uh, containing the spade, I feel better putting this in my checking range so that I still have some value hands in my checking range. Um, okay. Mm. Um, he checked? Uh, I assume that's what he's going to do. Uh, no. He says, if I bet most hands that uh, are call are going to have a lot of equity against against me, such as jack, spades, ten of spades, nine, eight, or seven, six. My hand is all also not strong enough this board to get three streets of value generally, although that may not be true against the villain of the big blind. I check, and it checks around. Oh, jeez. That's not good. First yeah, of all, I'm not going to be excited about this card coming now. No, I mean, you took control of the hand. You have the best, and you're in earlier position, so you're going to be behind the eight ball the whole hand, except for one player. You really need to protect those aces. They always say you're going to win a big pot uh, lose a big pot or win a small pot, I'm happy taking down this $45 pot right now. I mean, you need to bet here. There's too many people in the field, and they all checked. Now you're you know, now you're screwed. Because, first of all, they didn't have what you thought they had. And, you know, you're not protecting your hand against spades. You're not protecting your hand against straights. You're not protecting your hand against random two pairs, like 9-8. I mean, you know, when an 8 comes on a turn, you're screwed. So... You should have protected your hand here. This is where it gets nasty for you now, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not excited about seeing what this turn card is going to be. It's, it's 
probably going to be trouble for me. But yeah, plus it's fishy. You know, the whole point of raising preflop is that you're taking control of this hand, and then now you don't bet. You brought up Annie Duke. That's one of the things that she mentioned in her book that she wrote years ago. Was it's the most fishy thing you can do is to raise preflop and then not continue bet, especially on a random low board like this. You know, now everyone's going to be like, "You check? Why did you check?" You know, so you're not going to get any money out of them anyway unless they hit now. So yeah, you know, now you're in trouble. All right, the turn is the tray of clubs. Our board now is nine of spades, uh, seven of clubs, five of spades. Tray of clubs, big blind checks again. Okay, well, now we should bet. I still want to bet a lot, though. You know, I realize right around now we'd bet half of that because the pot would have grown. If the pot didn't grow, I'm going to bet probably 40 again. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mentioned how I was going to be scared to see what this card comes because I almost assumed whatever was going to come was going to be something I didn't like. We actually got lucky here. I can't imagine this actually helping anybody. Yeah. Uh, putting clubs on the board now. So, yeah, we definitely got to take uh, take charge. Now we got to bet that pot that we didn't bet last time, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, here it says, with a safe card and no best on the flop, I feel more comfortable going for value. I bet $25, expecting this to look a little fishy and get looked up by, excuse me, um, some weak one pair no draw hands, uh, which I have a lot of equity against. The villain calls pretty quickly, and the button thinks a bit and also calls. The big blind folds. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, I you could be worried for six four. By the way, now there are I would I would definitely draw if I had two clubs or two spades and I had one bet and one call ahead of me. I would definitely call twenty five bucks with one hundred twenty in the pot. You know, oh, yeah. going to be one hundred twenty in the pot. So. You know, I wouldn't discount draws, but, uh, you know, random two pairs now are always uh, possible on the river, too. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think this is a great hand. It really illustrates the difference in players, right? So in John's mind, he is um, he's going for value in a way that I wouldn't go for value, where I'm a little more worried about getting stacked here by somebody uh, with some hand they shouldn't have been in, which we have a lot of loose, crazy players in this hand, right? Um hitting a you know even like a, a weird two pair on me and then um be getting too excited and and losing a lot that that's the equity i'm trying to protect where he's trying to build equity in a different way so um uh, no right or wrong way i don't think i just think that's interesting that how people look at uh, the same situation actually completely differently yeah yeah weird um all right so pot's 120 uh we have about 210 remaining uh, the river is the queen of spades, so our final board is uh, nine of spades, seven of clubs, five of spades, tray of clubs, queen of spades. So spades get there, though we do have the ace of spades. Not that it means anything other than a blocker. But, right. Um, and uh, it is on us now because the big blind got out of the way. Well, I don't like that card, and I, it's not like I can protect against anything now, and I'm just going to get called by somebody who has a flush or you know, somebody who played 9-7 or queen-9 or something. Really, really an odd hand but again doesn't seem like these players are uh, terribly concerned with the cards they're playing so I don't know um jeez I don't know maybe I just check to be honest with you I just pretend you know because if I bet now and then somebody comes over the top you know I'm just wasting money because I'm probably letting that go so what's the difference between checking and then at least calling for the amount I wanted to bet you know unless he shoves and if he shoves you know I've misplayed this hand I feel and I feel like I deserve to have to fold. Um, the, I mean, the queen seems like a decent card in the sense that it doesn't give us pause for a two pair. I mean, somebody could be queen queen nine. If they'd had nine seven, they probably would have bet. So somebody could have been playing queen nine. You never know. Um, the, the spades is a thing. 
you know, this is easily a hand that somebody would call with two spades now once that flop came and they wouldn't have gone away for 25. And then now it's gotten there, you know, jack 10 of spades, anything. Jack 10 sticks around no matter what because an eight gives them a straight two uh, earlier in hand. So um, I'm not happy with this. I think I'm checking, believe it or not. I want to check. Yeah. Right? Let somebody bet. And then yeah, I'll call. This is a check call here, I think. I mean, you're right. If you bet now, um, two things I'm worried about is what you mentioned, like uh, this Rand McQueen with another card that paired, that's already been paired. So now you've got two pair that I was worried about. And then the spades, which are you have to give credit for uh, at least one player maybe having spades since there's two spades in the flop, right? So we bet and get raised. And then now what we got to do? And then we also got three players in this hand too. So what do we bet now and raise and re-raise? Now you got to fold at that point, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to check call unless the, the next player bets and then and he gets raised. Um, at that point then, you know, I can't imagine my, my aces are good here. So um, check call unless there's um, some um, – a bet and a raise after me, I think. So, um, all right. Uh, let's see. Our hero says, not a great card, but not a horrible one. No one bet the flop, which would be standard with the flush draw after the pre-flop ch- raise or checked. I also have the ace of spades, which removes the most common flush hands my opponents would have. The queen tray, queen five, queen seven, and less so the queen nine are not very likely holdings. In retrospect, I should have bet around 40 to get called by middle pair hands that I figured were likely on the turn um, and probably folded to a shove. In this case, I checked. The villain shoved all in for 102, and the button folded. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's an easy fold for me now. Um, I, did you say that queen nine was a less likely holding? Yeah, that's what than, you said. Than queen three or queen five or queen seven? <laughs> queen nine makes the most sense out of all those four hands. So um, that's the hand that I would think somebody might be playing. I mean, I don't know yeah. who it would be, but I mean, I would feel like it could be the guy who shoved on you. Um, suited, you know, could be suited, and then it's like, okay, well, he saw these other people coming in for just twelve, and he calls, and then he hits top pair, and then's worried about you, and then you don't do anything. So on the turn, now you bet a paltry twenty-five. So it looks like you have ace king and just wanted to bet it, and he's got top pair, so he's calling, and now he's at the river and he's hoping you have an over pair, and he's hoping you call a shove. So I would think queen nine might be a likely hand. So I'm folding. That I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah, I'm folding. Yeah, I think now they shoved. I mean, the check call. I mean, the, there's not enough in the pot now. That's what we got to call 102 to win. Yeah, what, 322 that's in there plus our. That just doesn't seem like a, it's good enough for me now. We just got unlucky in this hand. We kind of played it a little um, differently than I would have played it. Um, so maybe that's why I'm folding. Maybe that's why our, our hero is going to call and win this hand. <laughs> but. Uh, the way I would have played it, uh, I would have been in a better spot for this. Uh, but playing it this way, I just don't feel comfortable with this call. So. Yeah, if you raise preflop, and you know, hindsight and all that, but if you raise preflop a little more, maybe a ragged hand doesn't get in. I'm not saying 15 does it, but you never know. And then if you bet the flop hard, you know, then the top pair might have been like, all right, you know, I believe he has aces. And if you bet it really hard in a turn again, he's going to think his top pair is not good enough. Now when you get to the river and he's hit two pair, you know, now he's you know he's not going anywhere. But you might have gotten a different perspective if the guy did have two pair on you. I don't think he has nine seven because nine seven I think would have bet on the turn um, or, re- or raise you on the turn. So um, yeah, there, there are different ways you could have played. I don't know if you save money by playing in our way, but you certainly could have 
probably gotten a different outcome no matter what happens here if you if you if you lose it, it, all these hands lose we always lose so i have a feeling we're losing this hand <laughs> i don't know yeah the only two pair i'm worried about is that queen on the end i don't think i yeah. had two pair up until the river so um but but that queen definitely is a possibility so yeah um all right he says they missed straight draw like 10 8 or 5 6 was possible <clears throat> and my hand looked weak uh but i didn't think he was likely to bluff all in on the river he also had the button to worry about. It's likely he would have made this move with a naked queen, but I couldn't think of many naked queens in his range on the turn. I ended up folding. He told me afterward he had queen nine for top two, and I believed him. Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about. It makes sense. I mean, he could be lying to you, but it makes sense. You know, that that's a hard... I think we talk about that a lot, too. One of the basic tenets of poker is it's easy to bluff one person, but it's hard to bluff two. This guy wouldn't <clears throat> bluff with two people left to act, so with you and the other guy. So... um it does feel like that's what he had. It feels like he hit top pair. He got in for a decently cheap price, knowing that there were so many people in the hand. You know, so that wasn't that big of a deal, especially if it was suited. Then he hits top pair and he checks. You know, he, he watches you check, and he's like, he thinks he's being trapped, so he checks behind. And the three comes. Now you bet. Now he's like, all right, well I only have nines. I'm not willing to raise this guy if he has an overpair. So let me just call. And then bingo, bango, bongo, ricky ticky tavi. He hits the queen on the end. And now he's got his two pair, and now so it makes sense that queen queen nine tells the story, or you know that, well, that makes sense. Yeah, the one thing I will say about our hero when he said less of the queen nine, now that you think about it, <clears throat> does that nine really check the flop though? Because we were the pre-flop raiser, and we checked. So at that point, I think I got a bet at that point to kind of protect my hand or to fish out um, the stronger hand. You know, if we we raise pre-flop and then check this flop. I want to know if that player is being cagey. So if I bet here and then I get check raised, then I know. Um, yeah. So maybe that nine is a little less likely. Maybe the queen nine is a little less likely. But um, but and then so then you go back down to the queen seven. Is somebody going to call a raise with queen seven? Queen nine is much more likely to call that preflop raise. So yeah, I don't know. A lot of a lot of confusing things here. But we're also playing with a lot of players that were described as being kind of little out there. So yeah, and it, again, it gives off what. Whatever John gives off the table, I mean, they. I mean, I know he said earlier he was moderately loose, but I mean, if this guy believed that it's very possible that you had better than tens in your hand, and that's why you raised the way you did because you were in an early position, he's being a little cautious in the beginning of the hand. You know, I, I don't see any problem with that. And yeah, you, you're saying try to bet to get information, but at the same time, you're just wasting money if you know the guy's got a better hand. So he's just playing it slowly and hoping to hit three of a kind or two pair on you for a cheap price and you let him do it by checking um and then betting small on the turn so yeah i mean i guess if he has top pair he might bet it because we checked to him but it's so fishy we've talked about that already in the show that you raise free flop but then don't bet a, a low flop i don't think you're timid with ace king you've already said you've been aggressive so why aren't you betting now if you're supposed to be so loose and aggressive why aren't you betting this flop you must have hit it hard or you have an overpair, and his nines have dwindled in his mind, and he's just sitting there saying, okay, I'm going to wait a street to see if he really doesn't have a hand. And you bet again, on, now you bet on the turn, I mean. Now he's saying, okay, so you do have a hand, and now you're, you know. So I, I don't know. I can see both trains of thought, but in this case, I, I think, I, mean, I believe the guy with queen nine. I believe him. I mean, I'm not at the table yeah. with him, but I believe him. So, all right, well. And they always, almost all the hands are loser hands too, right? They, we almost always lose, and that's why they want the the advice, right? <laughs> I feel bad. Okay. <laughs> no, Vic's hands always. Yeah, Vic's hands win. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, enjoy our website. 
and uh, let us know what you think. We appreciate it very much. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.